welcome. If this is your first time joining us, my name is Aaron, and I'm the lead pastor of New Community Church, and we're glad that you're with us. This is the last Sunday of 2020, and you guys, we are just a few days away from 2021. Can you take a deep breath, say thank you, Jesus, we made it through this year. We're almost there at the beginning of a new year. And as I was reflecting on this last message that I could share with you for this year and just reflecting on how crazy this year has been, who could have predicted any of this? Just thinking through all the change that we've been through and had to manage and handle um, with illness that's going, been going on and how each of us have been affected differently, learning how to work in different environments, how to interact different um, in the public, yeah, and in public spaces and social distancing, all of those things. Murder hornets, like that came this year. Who would have thought of that? I mean, just the craziness, the division that we've seen in our nation, the craziness around politics even the last few weeks and months. All of these things have made 2020 just a pretty absurd year. And as I was thinking of any word that I could leave us with or a message that I could challenge you with, and there's one word that just coming, kept coming into my mind, and that is this idea of peace. If there's something that we need leaving 2020 and going into 2021, it's this idea of peace. And as some of us think about peace, maybe you get this idea of, I know what peace is. It's when everything is calm and quiet. The kids have gone to bed, like no one's bothering me, and I just have a few moments of silence or solitude. Uh, maybe it's being out in nature and everything is just quiet. The sun is coming up. It's the beauty of the nature around you. Maybe when you think of peace, you think of an elderly woman or man or a guy with a long gray beard who has figured out some chant or some meditation and he's left the chaos and the busyness of this life and spending the rest of his life in a monastery on the side of a mountain. I don't know what your idea of peace is. But when the Bible speaks about peace, it talks about this powerful peace. And that's what I want to share with you today, a powerful peace. When the Bible describes peace, it uses this word shalom. Shalom. There's this depth to that word that sometimes we miss in our English translation. I love how the Christian author Eugene Peterson describes this. He says, trying to describe shalom or the peace of the Bible um, would be like trying to to describe your best friend by just giving someone their social security number. Now, your best friend's going to be pretty mad about that, but, but it doesn't really get into the intricacies of it or the depth of who they are as a person. And many times in our language, we miss what shalom truly means when we just describe it as peace. What shalom is, it's this gathering all the aspects of the wholeness of God's work and God's will in our life being completed. It's, it's this process of wholeness, of trusting God and understanding He is the one that is working in us and through us. And when this work is complete, when God is working in us and that trust is there, it releases streams of living water. Eugene Peterson, it's, Peterson says, it's like pulsating eternal life inside of us. Now that's a different description of this word peace. There's this energy when I'm imagining what he's describing. There's this power in peace that so many times we miss, but that the Bible tells us is available to us and, and is present, can be present inside of our lives. 
And so I want us to look at the scripture in the life of Jesus where we see a picture of this. If you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 4. And we're going to start reading at verse 35. So Mark chapter 4, verse 35. And you can hold on to that for just a moment. In case you've never read anything about the life of Jesus, Mark is a great place to start. It's what I call the fast-paced gospel. It's kind of the action points of the life of Jesus because of who Mark was writing to. And so he hits some of the highlights. And so if you've never read um, the Bible, Mark is a great place to jump in. And in Mark chapter 4, we've already seen some of the miraculous things that Jesus has done, some of the miracles that have taken place. He's been teaching about the kingdom of God and introducing this idea of a God of love um, to those that he's interacting with. And in Mark 4, it's already been a long day. And this is where we pick up the story in verse 35. This is what it says. Now, that day when evening had come, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. And leaving the crowd behind, they took Jesus along with them, just as he was in the boat. And there were other boats with him. And a furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Are you getting an image of what's happening on the lake that day? And as I'm thinking about this, this is kind of surprising because the hero of Mark's story is in a dangerous place. The son of God that he has introduced us to is in a furious storm on this small fishing vessel, and it's not looking too good for him or the disciples that are with him. And the first thing that we see as we look at this idea of a powerful peace is that problems are guaranteed even for Jesus' followers. Problems are guaranteed even for Jesus' followers. I'm thinking if there's anyone that God wants to protect, right? If there's anyone that should never have to experience clouds or thunderstorms, that it should always be sunshine for and happiness and rays of glory around, it's his son Jesus. But even Jesus finds himself in the midst of the storm. And Jesus' disciples find themselves in the midst of the storm. They had to be thinking, okay, God, we've just had this really long day. We've been ministering to people. We've been healing the sick, and we've been meeting the needs of people. We've been sharing your love with so many, and now this storm, this is what you're going to give us. This is what we have to face. It was a difficult moment for them, but problems are guaranteed even for Jesus' followers. See, there are times like that in our life, isn't there? where we're thinking, okay, God, I've been reading my Bible. I've been going to church. I haven't missed any this month. I've been trying to do all of the right things. And yet it seems like my life is in a disaster or it's just crashing wave on top of wave that keeps hitting us. And as soon as we get up, we get knocked down again. And we're thinking, God, I thought you promised peace. I thought you promised tranquility. I thought this life was going to be easy whenever I followed you. I thought that everything was going to be simple, but problems are guaranteed even for Jesus' followers. It's a guarantee in our life. And like the disciples, if we're not careful, our faith will become disoriented. We can become disillusioned with God because we put on him expectations that he never said or that he never told us, but we somehow assumed that if we came to Christ and if we followed him, that life would be a bed of roses, we'd be floating along the clouds. Students, you would get all A's on every single homework assignment and every test assignment. Every project would go perfect and would go great. You would never have any troubles, like everyone would be fist bumping you at work. Everything would be great. That's what we think sometimes. And then we're disillusioned. We're disoriented when the storm comes in our life. But 
God never promised a life of ease. See, problems are a guarantee even for Jesus followers. And so when the disciples are panicking, what's happening? Well, Mark says in Mark chapter 4, verse 38, Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. I'm telling you, that's powerful peace, right? That in the midst of the thunderstorm and lightning bolts and waves crashing in on the boat all around them, that Jesus is so complete in God's work in his life, in trusting God, the power of God, that peace that's pulsating through him, that he can take a nap in the midst of it all. He's not worrying, he's not fretting, he's not stressing. Now, I want you to think about what that must have been like. My wife and me, for our 10-year anniversary, decided to go on a cruise, but we didn't have a lot of money, so we got this great idea. When do the cheapest cruises happen? And they happen during hurricane season. And so sure enough, we get on a boat. I think it was somewhere around the time of September um, was when we were celebrating this. And we get on the boat, and it's during hurricane season, and a hurricane is passing in, in the line of where the cruise ship is going. Now, the captain was great because he took us a little bit deeper in the ocean, and we had a few clouds. We didn't really hit any of that, but you could feel these waves just knocking up against this boat. And this was a massive cruise line ship. I mean, this is something that had a roller skate rink and a movie theater and a rock climbing wall, surfing area and a mall in the middle of this. And yet we could still feel some of the effects of the hurricane that was hundreds of miles away. And Jesus and his disciples are in the midst of the storm and it's lightning and rain is pouring down. And so you can imagine they were feeling all of this. And yet there's this powerful peace that Jesus is able to sleep and rest and trust God in. And I think this is key because when we're in the midst of storm and problems are guaranteed, the one thing the enemy wants to do is he wants to steal your sleep. He wants to rob you of the rest that your body needs and that trust that you have in God. He wants to take that away from you. I remember when one of our older guys, Josiah, was um, a lot younger. He entered into the season of his life where he started to have bad dreams. And he became really anxious every night, like he was even kind of, you know, stressed about going to sleep because he was afraid he was going to continue to have these bad dreams or have another nightmare. And Sarah, um, my wife and myself, we were praying with him. And then we said, hey, let's just start repeating scriptures before bed. And so we went to scriptures like Psalms 4, 8 that says, I will lie down and sleep in peace for you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. Psalms 127, 2, Lord, you give your beloved sleep. Isaiah 26, 3, you will keep in perfect peace he whose mind is steadfast upon you. See, over and over again in Scripture, there's this idea of this powerful peace that God is working in us that we can trust, that we don't have to stress, worry, be full of anxiety. We don't have to be robbed of sleep because we can trust in God. And as we reflected on those Scriptures, after a few nights, Josiah came to us, and he said, the nightmares are gone. It's because peace is so powerful when we start to reflect on the power of God's word. Jesus could sleep because he was trusting in God. But what happens? The disciples don't have this, and so the disciples wake Jesus up, and they said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drowned? Look at what's going on. Look at everything that's happening, and you're just asleep in the boat. Don't you care if we drowned? See, I think there's sometimes that we mistake what God is doing. And just because God isn't chaotic, it doesn't mean he doesn't care. And that's what the disciples were mistaking in this moment. 
They wanted Jesus to be as frantic as they were. They were panicked, and they thought Jesus should be panicked too. Like, hey, you've got to do something about this. We're freaking out. You should be freaking out. And if you're not, that means you don't care. How many times do we want God to react to the situation like we do? And because he doesn't, we think, God, where are you at? Or what are you doing? Or what's happening? When I pray, you should be doing A, B, C, and D. This is how I want you to operate. This is how I want you to fix the problem. This is what I think should be taking place. And God's not like us. And just because he doesn't jump into a panic or a frustration like we do, it doesn't mean that he does not care. See, over and over again, these past few weeks as a church, we've been coming back to this idea that the power of God is in his presence that he is near to us. And the disciples had forgotten who was in the boat with them. And they had taken their eyes off of Jesus and they started looking at the storm. They had forgot about trusting in God. And his will was the same will that opened the eyes of the blind just earlier that day and that had shown love to sinners and seen them come back into the kingdom of God. It was that same will that was in charge and in control while they were in the midst of that storm. But yet they didn't see that. Their eyes were blind to that. And we have to be careful that we don't miss that. That in the midst of our storm, in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of what we're going through, that we don't ask God to freak out like we're freaking out, but that we trust him. And in verse 39, we see this. Jesus got up. He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. And the wind died down and it was completely calm. See, the peace that Jesus brought was not that there would never be a storm or that the storm wouldn't be present. It was in the midst of it that the power of God and the will of God was displayed over his creation, over the situations going on around them because peace is more powerful than the storm. Peace is more powerful than the storm. The work of God in our life is more powerful than the chaos that we experience around us. And the most powerful thing was not the disciples' strength. It was not their knowledge as experienced fishermen or their ability to sail the boat across the lake in the storm or their ability to row fast enough or um, dump enough water out of the boat that had gotten in by the waves. See, the most powerful thing was the peace of God at work in the life of Jesus. And that's what changed the situation. That's what made the difference is when they looked at Christ and they saw his display of power over his creation. It's like what God says in Isaiah chapter 43 too when he's talking to his people. And he says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned and the flames will not set you ablaze. See, we need to remember in the midst of the storm the God that is with us, the God that has promised that what is happening around us does not have to affect us. It's not going to sweep over you. It's not going to overcome you. It's not going to destroy you. You will not be burned, and the flames will not set you ablaze. Why? Because I am with you. There's a song that my wife shared with me, a worship song, and I've added it to my playlist and been listening to it over and over the past few months with everything that we've been going through. The song is called Remember, and let me share a few of the lyrics with you. It starts by saying, how quickly we forget the God who lives in every day. How easy to lose sight that you reside in the mundane. How quickly we forget the power that's running through our veins, the kind of power that empties the grave. And the chorus says, oh my soul, 
Remember who you're talking to. The one who death bows to. That's the God who walks with you. Oh, my soul, you know that if he did it then, he can do it all again. His power can still raise the dead. Don't tell me that he's finished yet. See, sometimes we need to take our eyes off of the storm and remember that we trust in a God who's working in us, that peace is not just calm and serenity and everything is kind of tranquil around us. It is this power at work inside of us that is greater than any situation that we face, that is greater than anything that we go through. The power of peace can overcome any storm in your life. And I'm here to tell you, I'd love to tell you that we're going to hit January 1st, 2021, and nothing will ever go wrong. We'll put this crazy year behind us, but we'll still face troubles, and there'll still be problems, and there'll be situations and moments where we want to panic because problems are a guarantee. But I want to tell you, God sees us differently, and just because we're freaking out, it doesn't mean that God's freaking out. And that reminder that there is a powerful peace, shalom that God has given us where his work is being complete and completed inside of us. So are you trusting in that kind of peace? Are you trusting in God in the midst of the situation? Do you see him as more powerful than the storm that you're going through? When you're facing that storm, let me give you one other thing that I've seen that I think we can apply to our lives, a question that we can ask ourselves As I was reading some thoughts of scholars on this passage right here, they talked about how this story of Jesus mirrored the story of Jonah. In this image that we have, now if you're not familiar with Jonah, he's the guy from the Bible who got swallowed by the big fish. And without going into his entire story, he was running away from God. He was in disobedience. He didn't want to deliver a message that God had given him to share with people. And so he went as far away from the city that God had called him to as he could. And he got on a boat. He was running and heading away from God. And a storm stopped him. And the waves are crashing over this boat. The sailors are panicked. They don't know what to do. They wake up Jonah and they say, pray to your God. And Jonah immediately knows, I know why this storm is happening. I've disobeyed God. I'm headed in the wrong direction. And God reveals to Jonah in that moment and through what happens in the story, God uses that storm to turn Jonah around, to correct his disobedience and to head him in the right direction. In Jesus' life, he's obeying God, he's following God. And when he faces the storm, it's not to correct him, it's not to correct disobedience in his life. Jesus corrects the storm. In that reflection that as we face difficulties in our life, maybe we need to ask ourselves that question. God, what are you doing in the midst of this storm? Because God can use the storm to correct you, or God can use you to correct the storm. God can use the difficulties around you to say, hey, there's some things in your life that I need to change. There's some things that I need to point out. You've been walking in disobedience, or you're headed in the wrong direction. This is to get your attention to turn around. I think many of us have had those moments this year as we've walked through difficulty of God waking us up saying, hey, here's some areas that you need to work on. You've got to change some things in these areas. But there are also those moments where we're facing difficulty and the power of peace is working inside of us. And God says, I want you to rise up. I want you to take authority. 
there are things that have been beating against you in your life that have been coming against you, but it's time for you to step up and in the power of peace to take authority over them and command them, peace be still. What's God doing in your life through the storms that you're facing? I want to pray for you that God's peace would be at work inside of you. I don't know what 2021 holds, but I know this, that we can trust in God. And if we trust in God, his peace inside of us is this powerful energy coursing through our veins that can change the world around us. So let me pray. Jesus, I thank you for this simple reminder. You give us an example of what it's like to walk through difficult situations and all of us face those in our life. And my prayer is that no matter what the future holds, God, we can't see it all. We can't predict it all. Lord, our trust is in you. And God, I pray as we end this year and as we enter into a new one, God, there would be a powerful peace at work inside of our life. If there are moments that you're trying to get our attention, Lord, show us those things. Help us to change. Turn us around. But God, if there are moments where you're asking us to rise up, Lord, and take authority over the storms in our life, God, let us be bold. God, let us be confident in your will, trusting that you are the God that is powerful enough to overcome, Lord, anything that we are facing, God. Help your peace in our life to overflow, Lord, into our family, into our friends, into our workplace, into our classroom, God. Be the God who brings change through the power of your peace. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Church, I trust that that peace is going to be present in your life as you end this year and as you go into a new year. And I just want to share with you as we end this year, um, if you're still looking to give and to practice generosity, first let me say thank you to all of you that have been faithful to support the vision of NCC, to give, to see lives change and transform through your generosity. And if you still have um, giving that you want to do this year, as long as you give online, you can do that through the Tidely app or through our website, you can give online or any checks that are postmarked um, before December 31st, they'll be part of the giving contributions for this year, for 2020. So you can still do that. If you're our guest today, um, don't feel under any obligation to give. Just you being here um, is enough. But we want to challenge you for those of you that NCC is your church home to continue to support the vision of the church and practice generosity. Next Sunday on January 3rd, um, we will be back here in the building for our 930 and 1115 services. It's going to be a great um, message, so I want to encourage you, don't miss that, but make sure you're here for those services. We love you. Have a great week and a happy new year.